1: Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to New Southern Garden. Of course, I'm your gardening pal, Nathan Wilson, and as always, I'm very glad that you've decided to spend this hour, this Saturday morning, with us. Of course, you may be listening on the podcast, or you may be listening online at NewSouthernGarden.com, and it may not be Saturday, but I'm glad you've decided to spend this hour with us, no matter what day of the week you're listening, but what what a great week we've had. I will say, though, I have, noticed, <laughs> I have noticed that we have been blessed with a lot of rain, remember? In the spring, we had a lot of rain. We had a decent amount of rain through summer, and this past week, I know that it's starting to get dry, and I'll tell you why. Because I have several hydrangeas planted at the house. Now, they've newly been installed, don't get me wrong. They haven't been there for years, they've been there for months. But any time a hydrangea starts to get a little dry it will tell you and it will be wilting. So I've had to water some hydrangeas this week particularly because they're not established. They're newly introduced to the landscape. But if you have hydrangeas that have been there for years or decades then yours are probably just fine. But mine have small root systems still and they need extra water. So it has been sort of a Sort of a dry week, but maybe we'll have some showers. You know, I I hate when it when it rains a lot, and we kind of get tired of the rain. I hate to complain because eventually there may not be rain, so we got to take it while we can. Maybe we'll see a few more drops this week. But anyhow, what a great summer day! Summer is always a great time to be in the landscape and be outside. Of course, when it's hot, we tend to. Wanna stay sheltered inside and that's okay. But today we're gonna to talk about one of my favorite summertime fruits. They're not necessarily my favorite fruit, but they are one that I love to grow because they're easy. Super easy and a bit unusual. The fruit itself is very unusual, unlike most other fruits we're used to. It's got a distinct flavor but also a distinct structure. It's got a distinct structure, one that really no other fruit can compare with. Even though there are si- similar fruits in the way that uh, their anatomy goes, uh, this particular fruit is, is very unusual. And you may already have guessed I'm talking about the fig. That's right, the fig. It's a great garden uh, fruit for the South, and actually... Uh, sort of restricted to the South, because they don't necessarily like very cold winters. But we are blessed here in Georgia because we can, uh, and other parts of the South, we can produce and grow tasty, delicious figs. So we're going to talk all things figs. But before we get into that, I do want to mention that last week was our Q&A week. Remember that at the end of every month, the last show of the month, we're going to Go to the mailbag and answer your questions. We had some great questions last week about squash bugs. And of course, this time of year, uh, not just plants are growing and thriving, but also diseases and insects. And so it's always good to uh, answer questions like that. And if you missed any of those questions, then be sure to check out last week's episode online at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can find every episode we've ever had here on the show, because we felt like, you know, instead of just uh, giving you this information on Saturday mornings right here at 10 o'clock on WRWH 93.9 FM, we thought, well, why not make it available day after day? After all, we have this, you know, very handy tool called the Internet And The Cloud, so all of these shows are going to The Cloud. So you can look back at years worth now because we've been doing this for about three years, I think. Uh, We've got years worth of shows and all timely, so just find the month we're in. And you can go back two or three years and discover what we were talking about uh, in the past. Bringing the past to the present, I guess. (laughs) But anyhow, you can check us out at NewSouthernGarden.com. Leave us a question there if you have a question. But you can also leave questions at Facebook and Instagram. It's a great place because it's easy to tag us with pictures and send pictures to us or videos. If you want to walk us around your landscape and show us what's going on, you can send those on Facebook and Instagram. And we'll be glad to incorporate Uh, your question into the next upcoming Q&A week at the end of the month of August 2021. So figs, like I said, they're not necessarily my favorite fruit, but they're one of my favorite fruits for the garden. And and if you don't like figs, then I wouldn't grow it because there's no need to grow something, even though it grows well and may be beautiful and have tasty fruits, if you're not going to use it. When it comes to the productive side of the garden, You know, vegetables, uh, orchards, things like that. Be sure that whatever you're putting into your landscape or into your garden, make sure that you're going to utilize it. If you don't like zucchini, then don't grow zucchini. But if you love tomatoes, grow plenty and plenty of tomatoes. Save the space for zucchinis and plant tomatoes uh, if you like them. So that's one of the first things that I like to talk about when we talk about growing fruits and vegetables is grow it because you like it. Grow it because you eat it or grow it because you like to share it with people. Maybe you like to cook with it. Maybe your kids like it. Maybe your, your, your parents like it. And you can share those things with people. Uh, but let's save space for things that we like And not just grow something because it grows. Uh, But I thought about talking about figs today because, of course, they're really at their peak. Um, We'll talk later, but there's sort of two cycles of fruiting with figs in a single year. And so you should be able, if you have a fig plant, you can go out and you can pick figs right now, most likely. Because that's what I did this past week. So I was um, at my parents' house with uh, my baby, Eden Rose, and of course her... Uh, well, not little cousin because she's five months older, but Brooklyn. So me and Eden, or I should say Eden Rose, Brooklyn, and I are walking around playing on the swing set at my parents' house and just enjoying the shade. And then I said, how about we go on an adventure, girls? And uh, years ago, when I was a kid, uh, an old man gardener, he gave me um, a... A fig plant that he had propagated himself, and I planted it there at my parents' house, and it's growing fine. Now, this particular fig is uh, sort of a mini fig. It's not one of the very large fruits. It's the perfect size to just pop in your mouth uh, like an M&M. It's bigger than that. It's about uh, larger than a quarter, but maybe smaller than a half dollar. And once they reach that size, the green starts to ripen, and we get a nice purple color. And so they're mini figs, just perfect for a salad or to throw into a fruit salad or something like that, put on top of ice cream. Uh, You can slice them in half, quarter them, and they fit in your mouth perfectly. And I thought, oh, this is a good opportunity for me to take Eden Rose and and Brooklyn over to the fig tree because I don't think that they ever had had a fig before. And so I thought this is a good opportunity, great opportunity to introduce them to a fig, because they, they love apples, they love strawberries, they love blueberries, they love peaches. But they've never seen a fig before. Now one of the reasons they've probably never seen a fig before is because figs don't store well. Uh, you know, you sort of pick them fresh and eat them. They may last a couple of days. But very rarely do we see figs in the markets. As a matter of fact, when I was a, uh, a kid and my, had my first job at a little uh, local produce stand, the only figs we ever gotten in w- were not from... The farmer's market, no, they were from local growers, you know, gardeners, just like, just like yourself, and they would bring them to sell them, and, and we would resell, but they didn't last very long. So they don't ship very well. They don't store very well. You, it is nice. At, well, they last longer if you keep them chilled, so a refrigerator if you're not going to uh, use them directly. And so you don't see a lot of f- uh, fig fruits in the commercial kind of grocery store business. So I knew that, you know, they knew what apples were, they knew what peaches were. Uh, Those are easy to come by. But figs, this would be a treat. So I thought, let's see how these two little girls are going to respond to eating a fig. I, I, I myself sort of had to in a, acquire a taste for them, of course, you know, they have very leathery-like skins, and of course the inside of a fig is chock full of seeds, but they do have a good flavor, and so I said, look girls, this is a fig, this is a fig plant, and here's a little baby fig, and it was beautiful, just a nice purple, again, tiny, but good good size for a little kid's mouth. So I split it open and showed them the inside, nice pink uh, interior, almost red, and it was just, just at the peak of ripeness. Opened it up with my fingers and gave them each a half and wanted to see how they responded, see if they would like them. And I asked Brooklyn, I said, what do you think? Do you like the fig? She says, mm. And I could see that she was eating it. And then I asked Eden Rose. I said, Eden, what do you think? Do you like the way the fig tastes? And she says, mm. and then they both consumed that. And I noticed that Brooklyn, she sort of uh, uh, didn't like the skin part. She didn't like the exterior. She sort of scraped out the center uh, with her teeth. But I turned and looked at uh, Eden, and she'd eaten the skin, the interior, and all. I think she's a big fan because I went ahead and picked a, a little cup full and took them inside because my dad likes them too. So I was going to leave some for him. And after Eden was done with that one, I gave. she said, More, more. <laughs> that means she wanted some more figs. So I gave her another fig. She ran away, came back empty-handed, mouthful of fig and said, more more i think eden ate about four or five figs well plus that half she ate four and a half or five and a half figs that morning uh this past week and i was just excited i was thrilled that she liked figs because i think figs sort of are acquired. either you like them or you don't like them Uh, my mother on the other hand she doesn't like them because she doesn't like all the seeds on the inside but we're going to talk a little later that those seeds, we think are seeds, are actually not quite seeds. they are seeds in there, uh, but we'll talk about the details on the structure of a fig and how it is different from all the other fruits we, we grow. You know, we have peaches, uh, which peaches and nectarines are essentially the same kind of fruit, uh, as well as plums, peaches, plums, nectarines. They're what we call a droop. And a droop has a hard pit on the center, which the seed is contained in that. And they have a very thick layer of flesh and a very uh, tight skin around the outside of the flesh. That's a droop. Now looking at an apple and a pear, Those are in the group of fruits we call pomes, P-O-M-E-S, pomes. And pomes have uh, different chambers on the interior that have seeds. You know, when you cut a pear open, when you cut an apple open, you'll notice those chambers. If you cut the apple uh, around its waist or the pear around its waist, you'll sort of see a star shape. And each one of those points on a star is one of the chambers that that's held onto. And then, of course, they have a very thick layer of flesh, a little bit uh, not quite as juicy as, say, peaches and nectarines. Uh, There's not as much water content. Well, maybe just as much water, but there's more rigid structure. And then they have the outer skin. Those are called poems. Uh, Cherries are in the droop family. And so we're used to these kinds of fruits. But fig, you'll notice when it's blooming, Uh, It it starts out with this little bud that looks like the fig you're going to eat because that in itself uh, is a very unique structure. It's called a syconium, syconium. And on the inside of the fig, that's where the flowers are. So to call what we see, the little green bud, to call it a fig. Fruit is sort of a misnomer or to call it a flower is sort of incorrect as well because the flowers are contained inside of that fig structure that we call the syconium and inside is just chock full of tiny flowers. Now when those flowers become pollinated, the ovary starts to expand and swell and it becomes a fruit. So when you open up, when you open up the fig like I did for Eden and Brooklyn, you'll notice that what looks like seeds they're actually uh, a droplet. It's a lot like a peach. Uh, it has a hard center pit, which is the seed, and then it's surrounded by some fleshy material, and they're, they're just chock full inside of that syconium, inside of the, the green bud, if you will. And so from that, then, you have this conglomerate of fruits contained inside of this thick, fleshy structure. Now, each one, uh, well, the fruit itself is going to be called a multiple fruit. It's in the same kind of group as pineapple actually. Uh, they too have multiple fruits. Meaning or it is a multiple fruit meaning that it's a bunch of fruits held tightly together by some structure. And in this case it's the syconium that then eventually gets soft and juicy and ripens to that purple or black color, brown and they are delicious. When we come back, we're going to talk about how to grow these delicious syconiums. We call figs. It's Well, gang, let's not get confused this morning.
0: (laughs) We're not talking about Fig Newtons today. We are talking about
1: homegrown, fresh southern figs. That's right. We're talking about one of my favorite, uh, well, plants to grow because it's so easy. It's easy to propagate, easy to produce figs on your own plant at your own house. And I think that uh, if you don't have figs, but you do like them, Then you need to consider planting some fig plants, fig bushes. Some people call them fig trees. We're going to talk about how we determine the difference between a fig bush and a fig tree. But I think you ought to plant one in your own garden, in your own landscape, because growing your own figs is really the only way to get fresh figs. You can go get fig preserves, or you can get them squeezed in between some kind of uh, crumbly cracker, like a Fig Newton, but to get them fresh... It's really vital to grow it yourself or, or know someone who's growing it because they don't ship well, they don't store very well, and they've yet to, even though figs have been grown for thousands of years, they're mentioned in the Bible, they're mentioned in all kinds of literature that goes way back. But even though they've been around so long, uh, we've yet to really figure out a way uh, to ship them because I think some fruits are just meant, some fruits are just meant to be eaten right off the vine, or right off the branch, if you will. And so today's program, we're talking about figs because it is a wonderful time to go out and pick them uh, and consume their delicious and very unique flavor, very unique flavor. So, of course, we've already mentioned that figs can be eaten fresh. That's one of the best ways. Uh, Just like me and Brooklyn and my baby, Eden Rose, ate uh, last week. Of course, Brooklyn is my niece. They're just five months apart. So it was a fun experience for for me to watch them eat a fig because I knew that was one fruit they've never eaten before. Uh, But you can also serve them preserved. Some people will bake with them. You can put them in cakes and pies. You can make the preserves like we talked about or jams, jellies, whatever. Uh, Of course, ice cream. Figs do make a great topping with ice cream. Maybe if you made your own ice cream, you can throw in some diced up figs as a uh, flavor and churn it yourself would be delicious but the good thing about growing figs in the south uh, well particularly georgia here where we live is that they do very well except maybe in the upper reaches of the mountainous areas so the the mountainous areas of the south it's not the best place to grow them and there's one reason in particular it's all about winter and winter weather. Because figs, uh figs come from a very general group. Fig is a fig is a general term we would use, just a a common name. But figs are in the ficus family. And you may recall back I remember back in the 90s, people used ficus in their home decor. Sometimes they were living ficus trees and sometimes they were artificial. But regardless, of course we hate artificial plants, right? We are gardeners after all uh, ficus is a very big group. There's over 800 species that I'm aware of, of. I mean, I don't know them all, but I just know the number. There are over 800 species of ficus. Uh, one example of ficus is, how about rubber plant? You know rubber plant? It's a great house plant. Looks good on the patio or on the shaded porch. You bring it in in the winter, though, because it gets very cold and it will die. Well, how about uh, that ficus tree that we talked about from the 90s? That tree is a fig, essentially, but it gets too cold to be planted outside. Well, the fig plant that we're growing here, the fig, the fruiting fig, we should say, it does struggle in very cold weather. And in the mountains, your plant will probably not die. It it could, but if you tried to grow it in very cold climates, uh, it's definitely going to get frozen back. It's going to have winter damage and even though the root may still be alive it will just slowly uh, the plant will will never grow large like they do here further south in the piedmont and of course down in the coastal plains it's no problem at all uh, but your plant may never really reach that fish uh, fig bush or fig tree stature that we sort of dream of so keep that in mind now there are some better selections For the south, there are better selections for the mountains of some of the old-fashioned ones like Celeste and Hardy, Chicago. Those go way back. But in the marginal fig country, uh, you definitely could use those two. Now, Celeste does fine in the Piedmont. Celeste does fine down south. As a matter of fact, let's just say below Macon, below the fall line, you can grow pretty much any fig without any trouble. But even in the Piedmont, we do need to uh, be sure that we're picking varieties that can handle some cold temperatures. Because we didn't really have a rough, very, very cold, deep freeze winter last year, but there's always that potential in our zone and in our climate. So keep that in mind, that selecting your fig is going to be the very first thing. Making sure that it's a variety that does very well and will be able to handle the winter so there's not so much winter damage that you may have a setback plant that may not fruit, because after all, that's the point of growing figs, to make sure that they fruit. Now, as far as soil conditions and things like that go, pretty much figs will grow in any kind of soil. They'll grow in clay. They'll grow in sandy soils. Uh, Acidic to alkaline is usually not a problem, but you do want to make sure that you don't have a nematode problem. And I mention this now rather than later when we talk about potential pests for figs, because Planting your figs in a site that is nematode-free is essential. And just a little bit about nematodes. Nematodes are sometimes treated as a disease, even though they're microscopic insects. They're very tiny. They feed on the roots of your plants, and... uh, ones that are troublesome with figs are called root knot nematodes they make these very knotty roots uh, which are abnormal they're sort of just uh, making the plant's roots go crazy and putting their own structures there they feed off the plant and they can be detrimental uh, whether it's helping reducing your plant's fruits Reducing the vigor, reducing the health, uh, and they're very difficult to get rid of. So, making sure that there's uh, no nematodes in your plant in your soil is essential. You can test your soil for nematodes, as well as just the fertility and making sure it's ideal. You can do all that soil testing uh, with your cooperative extension office. Now, of course, in the south or in Georgia. Uh, Cooperative Extension is operated through UGA, so it's UGA Extension, and usually your county is going to have a county agent at your county extension office who can help you with that. So the idea of just making sure that your plant is in decent soil, but it doesn't have to be the greatest Figs are quite resilient. Now, how about sun? Because uh, we, we sell a lot of figs, actually, at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. We usually in the spring have a great selection of figs, and by now in summer they've been sold, and we've got just a few left, uh, but they're looking great. Now, people ask me, the, one of the first questions is, can I grow this in the shade? How much sun does this uh, fig need? And the general rule... For all fruiting trees or vegetables, things that you want to produce fruits from, you want to make sure that they have as much sunlight as possible. With that being said, figs can grow in a decent amount of shade. The the plant should grow just fine. They have very large leaves that can trap and, and, and acquire a lot of sunlight. And so the plant itself should be just fine. But in order to produce fruits... All plants need a decent amount of sunlight, and we're talking at least a minimum six to eight hours during the growing season. It doesn't matter if it's shady in the, in the winter, it's all about making sure you have six to eight hours, ideally eight or more if you can, <laughs> making sure they have as much sunlight as possible during the growing season. Now in the south, I always say that you can do that on the eastern side in the morning. Uh, eastern side of the house is usually very bright in the morning, and sometimes the house itself will shade uh, your plants so you can put them on the eastern, but the western and southern side is a very intense afternoon sun. Really, figs don't have a problem with that. Once their root system becomes established, they don't necessarily need a lot of other things from you. So making sure that you just site your plant in a nematode-free soil of really any kind, sandy, clay, uh, They can handle a bit of moisture, but we don't want it too wet that their roots are rotting, that's for sure. So well-drained, I should say. And then, of course, being sure that you put them in plenty of sunlight. That is going to give them the most success. Well, gang, we're coming up on a break here, but I hope you can hang on tight. When we come back, we are going to talk more things about figs, talk about how to uh, plant them, how to maybe even propagate them yourself instead of buying them. I'll try to give you some tips on that. So hang on tight. More figgy delights when
0: we get back. came to life, greenness unfolded for the world to behold.
1: You know, today I was just reminded, based on our discussion, about a Christmas song Oh, bring us the figgy pudding! Oh, bring us the figgy pudding! Because today we are talking about figs. And figs are those wonderful, tasty summertime fruits that have been grown in the South for ever, really, probably since the settlers came, because figs have been grown uh, for millennia. Figs come from that part of the world over Asia and the Middle East. And so they've they've been steeped in human history and, of course, in humans' gardens for a very long time. And we've already talked about how delicious they are. We've talked about how strange the fruit is. We've talked about the kinds of soil and sunlight you need to produce a wonderful crop and beautiful plants. Uh, But now I do want to talk about selecting the plants that you want to grow. There's a number of varieties of figs. And I will say that with the introduction of the internet, you can really get lost in a fig, in fig land, (laughs) or figlandia, I don't know, because there are so many types of figs that sometimes, actually, there's a lot of confusion, a lot of confusion about variety names. So you do want to make sure when you're buying figs that you're buying them from a reputable nursery. Of course, Lanier Nursery and Gardens and Flowery Branch, where you can find me throughout the week, we do carry figs, and we purchase them from folks in the state who specialize in growing fruits. So they're very knowledgeable and they know their varieties. But if you go online, you may find a site, maybe even Amazon, maybe even Etsy, uh, eBay, people who are selling either cuttings or rooted cuttings or small fig plants, and you may not even know what variety they are. But I want to tell you that it is essential. It is essential for you growing here in the South to know your varieties of figs to make sure that you're getting the right kind because I don't want you to get online and attempt to grow or purchase the kinds of figs that they grow in California you see the Californian figs require a very specific tiny little wasp that flies around crawling into the bottom of the fig remember how the fig has the flowers on the inside and, of course, at the end of the fig, the end of the fruit there, you'll find a little tiny hole. And that hole is there for a wasp that has sort of been uh, either designed or evolved, however you want to put it, uh, to go into that fig, uh, fig's hole and pollinate, cross-pollinate. So, usually, the uh, figs that are grown in California, they have to have cross-pollination. And the only thing that does it is a very specific tiny wasp. But here's the trick. That tiny wasp does not survive in Georgia's climactic conditions. And so it would be pointless. It would be pointless to grow the Californian types, the West Coast types, because you'll have maybe a nice plant. The plant won't have a problem growing here. But the fruits themselves won't be able to ever be cross-pollinated because we don't have the right kind of wasp that would do the job. So usually the types that we recommend here in Georgia, uh, just the common ones, uh, they produce only female flowers and they set fruit without cross-pollination. I, I say they only produce female flowers. It's a bit more complicated than that, but the point is, we don't have to have a male plant and a female plant. They can set their fruits without the need of that tiny wasp that can't even survive in our climate. Now, the question about getting the right plant into your uh, into your garden is resolved. You're going to look for certain ones. Of course, uh, we'll well, let's go ahead and talk about them now. One of the most common. And probably from you know a nursery person's perspective, one of the most demanded fig types is going to be called Brown Turkey. Brown Turkey has been around for a long time. It uh, is a bronze colored, more brown rather than than purple. Uh, They sort of have medium fruits, and they're very good for using uh, as a fresh fruit. And they're excellent. One of the reasons we've grown them in the South because a lot of times back in the old days, uh, most people had to Put their own food away and make their own preserves. They do a great job as a preserve. Now, another one is called Celeste. Celeste, I mentioned earlier, it's sort of a light brown to violet color. Some folks who are uh, fig enthusiasts, they they really want different varieties and pretty colored fruits. Well, this one is very pretty. It's a smaller Smaller fruit, not quite as small as the one that I talked about earlier that I fed uh, to Eden Rose and her little, uh, well, her cousin Brooklyn. Uh, but they both are very good. Celeste is very good for eating fresh and also for preserving. Uh, another one that I might mention is one that I really like. We've we've grown at the nursery in containers of beautiful plants, but it's magnolia. Magnolia is bronze and sort of has a, fly, a white flex. pretty fruit, uh, but it's a medium size. And then, of course, very, very decent for fresh fruit, but excellent for preserving. Excellent for preserving. Some other ones uh, that you may want to look at is green ischia. (laughs) I don't know if I say that right. Every time I say it, we've carried it at the nursery, but green ischia. And it, instead of ripening to a purple or brown, bronze color, it ripens to a bright green So if you had a selection of these fruits, greens and purples and browns, pick them at the same time. Put them on a table. They could make a beautiful display at a summertime party. Uh, LSU purple. I don't have to tell you uh, where that one was developed. LSU, of course, Louisiana. So it does well in our climate. Uh, It's a medium size, uh, but pretty, pretty good for fresh eating. So there are many more than that. But these are ones that I'm familiar with, that we've grown at the nursery, and I think that you will find delightful. So once you've decided on which kind of fig you're going to grow, and you don't have to grow just one. You don't have to grow just one. You can grow many. Then you've got to determine, are you going to buy it, or are you going to propagate your own? I would, of course, encourage you, if you're going to purchase, to purchase from your local garden center. You can always visit us at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia. But you can also find a... a, a, nursery garden center near you and I'm sure if they don't have figs in stock they can probably source you some now the other thing of course is uh, what about growing them yourself well I will say that figs are one of the easiest plants easiest plants to propagate on your own and it's quite simple now we've talked about uh, making cuttings before we've talked about propagating plants actually pretty recently just a few weeks ago but figs are super simple And we are going to make cuttings in the later part of the winter, uh, say before the buds break open. So maybe February and March. You can remove 8 or 10 inches of last year's wood. Make sure you're getting last year's wood. Remove that from the tips of your fig plants. Or if you have a friend who has a fig plant, you can propagate from theirs if they'll let you have some cuttings. And you're going to snip out the tip right above one of the nodes. And we talked about that uh, when we were talking about rooting cuttings. That's one of the pro tips on making sure that your cutting produces roots more rapidly and densely. Uh, So cut out the main tip. Of course, figs have a very large bud right on the tip of the branch, easy to remove. You can pinch it off with your fingers if you'd like. But all you're going to do is place those, those cuttings, 8 or 10 inches, down into a, a soft soil, whether it's in the vegetable garden, or maybe it's in containers, you can do that. Um, It would be better to keep them warm, so you might even bring them uh, into the garage for the next few weeks because remember that uh, February and March can still be very cold, and the warmer they are, the more roots they'll produce. So you may drag them into the uh, uh, garage, keeping, keeping them moist but not wet. You don't want those stems to stay too wet, Because if they rot before they produce roots, then you're in trouble. But that's pretty much it. You just make an 8 or 10 inch cutting, clip out the tip, and stick that into some soft soil. And by fall, by the autumn, you should have plenty of new baby figs uh, to plant in the landscape. So I know that this works because um, uh, an, an older friend of mine told me years ago that they haphazardly produced a... Uh, fig orchard just by chance this friend of mine told me that when he was a kid they would use uh, sticks or cuttings off of a fig bush to mark the rows where their corn would be planted so they used these sticks just to make a mark they planted the corn left the fig sticks behind stuck down in the soil and by the end of the year they had rows and rows of fig plants growing They didn't do anything special to them. They didn't treat them with a certain hormone. They didn't mist them with water. Those twigs just took off on their own. And so I know that uh, as simple as they made it, and actually just kind of by chance, that if you give them a little bit of love, making sure that they stay warm uh, during those cold months, but then in the spring they'll flush out uh, with new growth, and by the end of autumn you should have a plant large enough, that is ready to be set into the garden in its permanent location. Now, one thing that I do want to mention about uh, what's next is, now that you either have purchased your plant or you have grown it from a cutting, we need to start talking about training your fig and pruning your fig. Because you can train a uh, fig to grow like a tree with a strong central trunk, like a maple or an oak. You can do that. But it's not usually practical for our area because usually our fig plants are going to be frozen back to some degree. And whenever those tips are frozen back over winter, anything below the winter damage is going to send out multiple shoots. You see, I have actually never seen but one fig tree that had one trunk on it. And It was probably just an anomaly. Actually, I think what happened is the individual trimmed out older branches that were suckering from the base and left the straightest one. Because normally, bush form is what we're going to go for, and it's usually recommended around our state. The bush form, actually, more of the fruits are going to be closer to the ground level, and they're easier to pick. Think about it. If you have a fig plant that climbs could be 15 to 30 feet in the air, how are you going to pick a 30-foot fig off of the ground? You're not going to be able to do that very easily or safely. And so it is best to allow the plant to have multiple stems. Now, This is easily achieved because once you've produced your fig and it has one straight stem that first year, or maybe you get it from the nursery. Maybe at the nursery it already has multiple stems. Well, all you have to do is the next spring cut it about in half, and in a few weeks you'll see side shoots and and maybe suckers coming from the base of the plant. They're starting to grow. And you need to choose three to maybe eight I wouldn't do any more than that, probably five or six at the most, but three to eight strong side shoots that can become the uh, branches of this fig bush. And then that will start to give you the structure. One thing figs like to do is they tend to grow wider before they grow so tall. Okay, which is good for you and me because we can pick them if they're wide, but we can't pick them if they're tall. But going ahead and trimming them so that we encourage side shoots and branching is ideal and it will set your uh, beautiful baby fig off to the right path for many more figs to come. I do want to mention that because these uh, figs sometimes are damaged by our winter temperatures, it is a good idea to do an annual checkup on them, making sure that there's no dead branches or dead tips, because dead branches can lead to disease down into the healthy part of the plant. And when you prune, you prune just like we've talked about on this program now for years. What you're going to do is prune it, to the stem. Don't leave stubs. If you ever have to prune out a large branch that was down at the base, be sure to prune it as close you can to the ground, close to the plant as possible, because any stubs that are left behind can lead to rot, can lead to disease. And I know that if you like figs, you're going to want to make sure you keep your plant healthy so that those fruits can be produced and those fruits can keep you healthy. And on the other side of the break, a little bit about fertilizing and potential problems. Hang on
0: tight.
1: Well, gang, we just got one more segment to go on today's program, and it's all about figs. Today, we dedicated our time to talk about one of my favorite, and I hope it's your favorite, summertime fruits that really we only find in the garden. We rarely see fruits available in the markets and the grocery stores because they just don't store well. They don't ship well, but I will say that if you have local friends who have fig trees, don't worry. You don't need a market. You have God's great orchard there uh, there are that's the best way to get tasty fig fruits and we were talking about you know how to grow them and things like that and of course uh now we need to talk about some of the other things you need to worry about as far as fertilizing talking about pruning and training but now we need to talk about fertilizing them It is ideal to fertilize a fig plant about three times a year, and that would be maybe April and then June, uh, sorry, say early spring, April, going into May and mid-June. Those are going to be uh, the three ideal times to grow, because you do want to make sure that you're getting fertility and nutrition to those blessed plants, so that they can produce fruits. You want to get it to them before they produce the fruits, to make sure they have what they what they really need. Now, I would say use a well balanced fertilizer, something with nitrogen. Phosphorus and potassium, and of course, micronutrients, you might as well use a fertilizer that uh, slowly releases. If you do a slowly release or time controlled, uh, controlled release, I don't know, there's so many different names for it, it slowly breaks down, slowly gives the plant what they need over time, then you don't have to apply it quite as frequently. As a matter of fact, we have a well-balanced fertilizer we call Florican at uh, Lanier Nursery and Gardens, great for really any general purpose use, and it lasts for three months. Instead of having to apply in spring and then May and then July or so, you can just apply it once, Maybe twice later on in the year. I do like to give any fruiting plant uh, some fertilizer right after you've picked the last and harvested the last crop. Because the idea here is that the plant has used a lot of nutrition, a lot of resources and energy to produce that crop. To produce the harvest that you've brought in. And you need to replenish. Try to help it replenish before the leaves fade. Definitely before labor day so now would be a great time and then of course you could do it um, uh, at the beginning of september but try to do that six weeks before the leaves fall which usually could be october 15th plus or minus depending on where you are and the current year's conditions that gives them a nice storage of nutrition to then let them be more vigorous next spring Now, one of the, we need to talk about some of the troubles you may have. Some of the troubles you may have with figs. And I actually get this question quite often, maybe more so than I'd imagine I ever would. Sometimes fig trees seem like they don't fruit well. And If you're looking for blossoms on your fig, you probably won't find them. They're inside the fruit. Remember, we've already talked about looking for blossoms. They're inside of that fruit. But sometimes those fruits then uh, can prematurely drop and not ripen, or one or the other, either not ripen or drop prematurely. Some of the the most common reasons. First of all, we know that young, vigorous plants and plants that are over-fertilized we got to keep this in mind. They often produce fruit that drops before it even matures. Now, if these plants are excessively vigorous, uh, stop fertilizing them. If they are healthy and growing, be sure to back off on the fertilizer. Even though we've talked about fertilizing them up to three times uh, during the growing season, back off on that because quite often um, you, you, you'll find that these plants that are too vigorous they're growing so much that they're not in reproduction mode. They're not in the mode they need uh, to take off. Now, the other thing is that if you have uh, a plant that is only three or four years old, sometimes it takes three, four, or five years for the plant to mature enough to even set a crop. So, most juvenile, there is a juvenile period. So, get used to the fact that a new fig may not produce for three or four years. But uh, once you Once it's aged and matured, then you should be in really good shape. Hot and dry periods, which is frequently in the south, hot and dry periods that occur before the fruit ripens can cause poor fruit quality. Uh, In this case, you may have to add extra water, keeping them cool, or rather keeping them moist, but also keeping them cool by mulching them well. And when we have dry periods, adding that extra layer of protection with mulch And also, extra water can make them even better. Now, there are some other reasons. Uh, Celeste, in particular, if you have Celeste... It will sometimes drop the pre, uh, premature fruits, um, even just in hot, hot weather. So you may, even though it's one of the best varieties, you may want to plant some other variety as well, just in case it's a bad year for Celeste. Now, of course, we've already talked about the root-knot nematodes. They can intensify these problems uh, when conditions are very hot and dry, and we really want to be careful of those root-knot nematodes. Then, of course, the last point, is that, that, that those California fruits, you know, they need cross-pollination with that special wasp. So be sure that you don't have those varieties because that, that one will never set a fruit without that special wasp. And we just don't have it here in the South. It can't survive here. doesn't live here. So be sure you are growing a southern variety because that's really what it's all about anyways. Here in the new southern garden, planting something new, but making sure that whether it's new or old, it may be new to you and making sure that it grows well. Now, the last few things that I do want to mention are some potential problems other than premature fruits dropping. What are some things your fig tree may succumb to and have problems with? Well, we've already mentioned the nematodes. I I mentioned that those are very tiny little microscopic insects that are going to cause weakening to the root system. You may allow that plant to survive by balancing the top growth with the amount of roots that are below, trimming it back so it doesn't have so much to support. But it's pretty much a death sentence. There's nothing you can spray, nothing you can treat to get rid of root-knot nematode. You just have to plant your plants in a root-knot nematode-free site. You can check that out to make sure by sending a soil sample to your local county extension office. Now, there is a disease called rust. Rust uh, is a problem with a lot of plants, but rust is really attacks the leaves of your fig plants, usually in late summer, and we're getting there. So if you see any rust on your current figs, be sure uh, to keep that in check. Now, uh, very severely uh, infected leaves, they turn yellow-brown and they drop. But usually on the underside of the fallen leaves, you're going to find a a numerous amount (laughs) of small, somewhat raised reddish-brown spots. And these spots are usually covered with a dusty, golden-yellow mass of rust spores. Now, fig rust is usually not fatal, but... If it has a problem year after year, it will definitely weaken the plant. All you really got to do is, if you have uh, rust on your figs, just rake away those leaves for that, that have fallen that year and burn them. Get them off the property. You could use a fungicide, but it's not necessary. Now, souring, the last little bit, souring, fig fruit souring, is caused, you know, sometimes you go for that fig, it looks delicious, but then you pop in your mouth and it's spoiled, it's rotten. Well, that is caused by yeast that is spread by insects. That's right, it is actually sort of fermenting at that point. Kind of nasty in a way. Uh, But it will sort of have little gas bubbles out of the back end of that, right on the eye. Uh, Usually smell very bad. Not that tasty at all. The only way to prevent that is to use a fig that has a tiny, tight, or closed eye to prevent bugs from crawling in. Well, gang, it was all about figs today. I hope if you don't have figs, you go get some and start growing them in your southern garden. Well, for New Southern Garden and WRWH, I'm Nathan Wilson, hoping you stay well and grow well. See you next week.
0: Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show.